Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Today, I'm not Sam Wrestling. Who is WWE's next top guy? Is it Roman Reigns? Is it Cody Rhodes? Is it Sami Zayn? No, this is not Sam Wrestling. This is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. What a day, what a time to be coming to you, to be coming to you as history is being made. Now, yes, it's not quite professional wrestling, and that is technically what we cover here on Not Sam Wrestling, but at 436 weeks into this podcast, I think we can all agree that there are some things that are probably more professional wrestling than they advertise themselves to be. In fact, I think most things are more professional wrestling than they advertise themselves to be. But today, we come to you in a world in which Jake Paul has lost his first boxing competition. Yes, Jake Paul has lost to Tommy Fury, the brother of, uh, of what's that word that they use? A lineal heavyweight champion? Lineal heavyweight champion. T- Tyson Fury, Tommy Fury defeats Jake Paul via split decision, which I don't know what that one ref was thinking, uh, in a boxing competition, professional boxing match, and it rocked the world. It shocked the world. Um, we haven't seen Jake Paul go down before, although I don't know that we've seen him compete against somebody that would be considered a professional boxer either. So that might be a big part of this. I mean, look, as I said, I think that it's more professional wrestling than it lets on to be. Um, that's what this, uh, uh, conversation happening here is all about. Drake also lost. You got to understand when Jake Paul loses, it's not just Jake Paul losing. It's an entire community losing Drake, Drake, Drake yesterday on Instagram posted his gambling receipt, $400,000 he put on Jake Paul to beat Tommy Fury, uh, and he would have won $1.4 million, I believe, uh, but he did not, so he lost the four hundred large, although if you look at the thing that he posted, you could see where he had uh, gambled from. 
I would consider that an advertisement. I'm going to take a wild guess here again. Professional wrestling that may be that the bet had been covered by the people he made the bet with, hence the Instagram post. Look, you always got to figure out, are we working or are we being worked here? And that's been the question with a lot of these Jake Paul fights. Now, you might say, well, Sam, do you think that Jake Paul is more likely to come to the WWE now that he has lost this boxing match, his first boxing match, and uh, and that Logan has done so incredibly well in the WWE. Jake Paul doing that run-in at uh, Crown Jewel, I believe it was, was so well-received by everybody involved. Does this mean more Jake Paul in the WWE now? Or is boxing days behind him? And look, if you want to look at this from a professional wrestling perspective, and I've said this about Jake Paul in the past, that people buy tickets, whether it's to professional wrestling, whether it's to mixed martial arts, whether it's to wherever, for combat-related sports or entertainment, people are buying tickets to either see somebody win or to see somebody lose, and generally it's somebody-specific, meaning that if you look at Jake Paul business, the specific fights, I think that his business started to slightly dip. And I think that the reason that the business was starting to slightly dip was because Jake Paul was winning fights. You know, he 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 fought this, this uh, NBA player, former NBA player. People said, well, he's won exhibition matches, but this NBA player is a real athlete. There's no way Jake Paul can beat him beat him. Ben Askren, wow, Ben Askren, that's a mixed martial arts fighter. There's no way, beat him. Sugar Rashad Evans, I believe. No, it was Tyron Woodley. I just saw Chris Van Vliet did an interview with Sugar Rashad Evans, so he was uh, in my head. Uh, Tyron Woodley, Tyron Woodley had a fight with him. This guy is a, one of the, a very, very highly decorated mixed martial arts fighter. There's no way, beat him, then beat him again. But by the time he had beaten Tyron Woodley for a second time, uh, Jake Paul was getting a reputation for winning. The reason that I think a lot of people were buying tickets, buying pay-per-views to see Jake Paul fight was because they wanted to see him lose. Jake Paul is a heel. They want him to go down. They're, they're not paying to see him just fight. They're not paying to see this great sort of once-in-a-lifetime fighter do his thing. They're paying because they want to be there to see Jake Paul lose. Now, if Jake Paul is not going to lose, you know, maybe it's not all that compelling anymore. Maybe there are less people buying tickets. So if there is any pro wrestling to this whatsoever, maybe the pro wrestling to it is that business will, will very possibly be better now that Jake Paul has lost, because we know that he can lose. We know that he can be defeated. So if we pay big money and get somebody famous to come in and have another fight with Jake Paul, we can get business back up. Jake Paul starts winning again and we repeat the cycle. I don't know. I think of everything like pro wrestling. So I can't tell you. I would imagine, especially now that Logan Paul is dipping into the heel side of things, that we will see more Jake in the WWE. But I don't think that he'll go full-time WWE. I think that he's probably going to keep this uh, boxing thing going for quite a while because he's figured out quite a business for himself. 
in the old uh, uh, sweet science of professional boxing. The rules of wrestling are no different. When you've got a what's known as a heel territory and you've got a heel champion, you are counting on people to buy tickets hoping to see that heel get their comeuppance. When wrestling is 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 right, people are paying money to watch the bad guy lose. Ultimately, you can go back to the elimination chamber. The people of Montreal, even if they didn't think Sami Zayn was actually going to win, that's what ultimately they were paying their money for, not just to see the spectacle, but because they wanted to pay to see Sami win and they wanted to pay to see Roman lose. That's what it's all about. When you do it this way, you can just put on fights and fight fans will pay to watch fights. But when you want to penetrate beyond the audience uh, that the sport already has, I think that's kind of where you go. Um, I was thinking, by the way, about WrestleMania. You know, we're talking about Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. And this week on the Patreon podcast over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, as well as, I'm, I will probably put the video up on YouTube uh, of that segment. I kind of had come to this conclusion that the WWE had made a mistake. And maybe this is only clear to me with hindsight. I didn't really realize this mistake until watching Sami Zayn on Monday and then again this week on SmackDown on Friday when I said, you know, going into WrestleMania, things would be liquid hot magma if Sami Zayn somehow was champion. If you had started Raw with Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes face-to-face in the middle of the ring coming off of Elimination Chamber, that would have been a sight to see. That would have been absolutely incredible. However... I do want to say that I, I can't generally just say Sami Zayn should have won the championship because I kept thinking about it as I do. I'm in, and my brain is an evolving organism. And I came to the realization that WWE may have made a mistake. If Roman Reigns beats Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania, then... Roman Reigns should have lost to Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber. Roman's record is not, it's important, but it's not the most important thing. Roman is still Roman with or without the record. Roman is still the guy that's been on top for this entire time. John Cena was on top for 10 years. Uh, uh, Hulk Hogan main evented in some way, shape, or form the first nine WrestleManias. I guess technically not WrestleMania four, but he was there. Hogan must pose. And the only advertised match for WrestleMania four was Hogan and Andre in the rematch. So even WrestleMania four was Hogan's WrestleMania. But nobody goes like, oh, number of days, number of days. They just go, Hogan was the top guy for nine years. Cena was the top guy for 10 years. I said that Flair's record was probably the most impressive because being a 16-time world champion means that 16 times they tried to come up with a new top guy and 16 times they realized that they weren't going to beat what Ric Flair was capable of doing. So I don't think number of days is nearly as important. I think, you know, while it's happening, you should take advantage of it and why not? But I just don't think it's the end-all be-all. I think that if Roman Reigns beats Cody Rhodes 
you would arguably have a more effective finish if you had uh, uh, Roman Reigns pin Sami Zayn. Like, if you're going to have Roman be the dream killer that leaves WrestleMania, if Cody Rhodes is going to go into WrestleMania and not be able to finish the story, which I think that there's a better chance of him not being able to finish the story than maybe people assume. I would put it at about 50-50 right now for myself. If Roman's going to do that anyway, then why not have him not allow Cody Rhodes' story to end and also be the clock that strikes midnight on Sami Zayn's Cinderella story all at once. Let Sami Zayn win the title. Let him have a, a, a five-week run. Let him go on TV. Let him do a victory lap. Let us think that we're getting Cody Rhodes versus Sami Zayn. Three weeks before WrestleMania, put Roman in that match. And if you're going to have Roman kill dreams at WrestleMania regardless, have him kill them all and have him beat Sami. And then you still have Cody and Roman to cook on if Roman's going to leave WrestleMania with the title. If Cody Rhodes is leaving WrestleMania with the title, well, then you did the right thing. If Cody Rhodes is leaving WrestleMania with the title, then putting it on Sami Zayn would be a mistake because it would distract from the story that Cody Rhodes is going to, to finish at WrestleMania. If Cody Rhodes is leaving WrestleMania with the title, then what we've got to see is Cody go in there to conquer the beast as many have before, except this time it's different and Cody is actually able to get the job done. I can't tell you which way WrestleMania is going to go right now, whether it's Roman Reigns or whether it's Cody Rhodes. But I've been thinking uh, quite a bit about where WWE goes after WrestleMania. We know, so, so Money in the Bank tickets went on sale this week and they sold out in literally one minute. The UK is getting Money in the Bank this year and the tickets are already gone at SummerSlam 92 Wembley Stadium all over again. But apparently Roman Reigns is not advertised to be on the pay-per-view. We know that Roman Reigns is not working live events for the most part anymore, you know, except for the uh, the big exception. But if Roman Reigns is at a live event, it's a mega, mega live event. His dates have diminished quite a bit. So there's a strong argument to have Cody be the champion because we already see Cody is doing all the live events. Cody's doing every TV. Cody's doing every pay-per-view. And Cody's over. There's a big difference here going into WrestleMania because Cody is a good guy that gets cheered. A huge number of fans want Cody to be the one. There are historical wrestling fans that remember Dusty and relate entirely to Cody's story and want Cody to win for Dusty. There are our, our Cody fans that have followed Cody on his journey from 2015, 2016, getting out of WWE, betting on himself, doing his own thing, starting AEW, and then jumping off that ship to come back home and be the main event guy that he always knew that he could be. And to be that guy, it's not just a matter of a Rhodes winning the title at WrestleMania. It's a matter of that Rhodes, the Rhodes that was not slotted to be a WrestleMania main eventer. 
coming back and winning that title. It's a grand story. But all that said, when I look at Cody Rhodes, and I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan. You guys should know this by now. I mean, I'm sure that over the years, you've heard all the interviews that I've done with Cody. I adore Cody Rhodes. And I think that that his return to the WWE and the last almost year has been done immaculately, even with the six months that we had to lose due to Cody's injury. So if Cody beats Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, is Cody Rhodes the top guy? Is he the next top guy? I see the the commentators already comparing Cody Rhodes to John Cena. Cody Rhodes could be the next John Cena. I'm not 100% sure of that. Uh, not that Cody Rhodes couldn't be the next John Cena. First of all, Cody Rhodes is the first Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is not the next anything. I don't I don't believe John Cena was not the next Rock or Stone Cold or Hogan. Stone Cold wasn't the next Hogan. Hogan wasn't the next San Martino. Hogan was the first Hogan. Austin was the first Austin. Rock was the first Rock. Cena was the first Cena. Roman Reigns is the first Roman Reigns. And Cody Rhodes is the first Cody Rhodes. All of those people have extremely different stories. But as I listen to Cody Rhodes, right? And as I watch Cody Rhodes, this is a guy who wins all the time. This is a guy who looks immaculate in a three-piece suit and he's got a ton of them. This is a guy who wears a Rolex to the ring. This is a guy with perfect bleach blonde hair, chiseled jawline. He's just as handsome as he was when he was dashing Cody Rhodes. And he's a guy that will will tell you exactly what's on his mind. There is something about Cody Rhodes that screams major heel run to me. There is something about Cody Rhodes that makes me say that once he has finished the story, the move to make will be to turn him into a villain. I mean, what else can you do? Once Batman defeats the Joker, if Cody Rhodes defeats Roman Reigns, what villain could ever come forward to credibly look to dethrone Cody? Cody could beat Roman. Cody beat Seth with a torn peck. Cody could beat anybody. If Cody can beat Roman Reigns clean, Based on what we know, Cody can beat anybody. And once you can beat anybody, people don't cheer for you. Hogan was a different era, but people started to boo Hogan when he was just invincible Hogan because it didn't matter anymore. Super Cena was the Cena that got booed. And if there's anything that we've learned from this whole Roman Reigns experiment, it's that Roman Reigns didn't work until he owned his invincibility. Roman Reigns always beat everybody, just like he's doing it now. But Roman Reigns as a character didn't truly work until he became the villain that was the first to admit the obvious, was the first to tell you, hey, I destroy everybody because I'm Roman Reigns and that's what I do.
I personally, I don't know that that's where Cody's going to be for the rest of his career. Let's not get crazy. But I think that at some point after WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes is going to have to be a villain that can then after become a hero once more. I think Cody needs a main event heel run before he can truly be that babyface face of the company. And maybe this is just me and I have some deep-hearted desire to see Cody Rhodes be a villain. That's possible. Just, I just think it would be great, maybe. But I do think it would be great. I think he's perfectly cast for it right now. And I think it'll make him an even better babyface, a better hero, a better good guy, once that part of his career is over. So the question is, if Roman is kind of going away, right? Theoretically, after Roman loses the title, he goes into Brock Lesnar world where he'll be back and forth. He'll come back for a super fight, whatever it is. John Cena world. Maybe not quite as dramatic where John Cena, you know, we barely, we don't even get him once a year. We might. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, but I'm happy to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. And that's because it's hard to keep up with a supplemental routine that comes with a whole bunch of different products. Why don't you just start with one? AG1 by Athletic Greens. It's the morning jumpstart that you need. All you have to do is scoop, shake, and have alongside your morning coffee. You don't know what it feels like to feel good if you felt bad for a long time. Look, I eat garbage, okay, all the time. I didn't even realize how much garbage I was eating. I I didn't realize how run down I was or how the mornings could feel until I started uh, having my AG1, you know? It just, it it just, it just, it it, it makes you feel energetic. It makes you feel like living life, quite frankly. Doesn't that sound good? Packed with over 75 vitamins and minerals for a major boost to your gut, to your mood, your energy, your skin, hair, nails. AG1 gives you increased energy and mood support. It makes it easy to live your best life. And take that from me, a guy who is always living his best life. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash not Sam. That's athleticgreens.com slash not Sam. Check it out. So who is going to be the top guy then in WWE? And to me, I I think the top guy, this is where I figured out who the top guy is going to be. And I think this is a guy who I've talked about all over the place as being so good at every part of the business. This is a guy who has been right under our nose the entire time and just keeps getting better and better and better and better to the point that even as everybody that you know sings his praises, most people, I think, still haven't figured out quite how good this guy is yet. I'm watching this video and it's becoming a regular occurrence. Every weekend these days, I watch videos on the WWE social media from live events. And it's either a thank you promo to the crowd or some kind of interaction with some kids that are in the front row being done by the visionary, by Seth freaking Rollins. Seth 
Rollins going to these live events and interacting with children and making them the heroes and watching these kids react to Seth and the rest of the audience is singing along his music and you realize that the wrestling fans, the hardcore wrestling fans all love Seth because he's so good and he's always been that good, right? And the 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 casuals that are adults, they like Seth because Seth comes from a real place. Seth has a little bit of an edge to him. Seth is also very, very entertaining. The way he talks, the sort of his mannerisms, his his aesthetic, you know, the the wardrobe, the accoutrement that Seth brings. People find that very entertaining. And then you look and 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 you look at all the accoutrement and you go, there were probably a lot of merchandising avenues that we could go down with this. Do we need a Seth lace button-up shirt? Maybe. Maybe we get the Fanatics people on the phone and we see if we can make a replica. And and you go a step further and you look, now you got the wrestling fans, you've got the older casuals, the young adults, and then you look at the way Seth is interacting with kids. And the kids now all love Seth and the kids sing along to his music and the kids interact with him and the kids think that he's a hero because he's a baby face without it seeming like he's a baby face that the WWE has just created and pushed to you as the next guy. And boom, all of a sudden you're looking at the person who I think is right under our noses, the next top guy the next true face of the company. I mean, think about the history of Seth. It's not like I'm, I'm going so far off the ranch, but I think this is finally the moment. They've tried this before. The Shield comes in, and obviously the Shield, in terms of percentages, is the greatest faction to ever exist. There has never been a faction in which it is split and 100% of the individuals involved in the faction go on to be industry-controlling world championship-level superstars. And you could say, well, that's because there was only three. Okay, that's fine. But go back, and I you can, you can inc include three-person groups. Because you would bring up, well, what about the four horsemen? That's not three, but it's four. And those four horsemen were industry controllers. What about DX? It's only Triple H and Sean. They can completely control the industry. You could bring all those up, but every one of those factions was already doing it. They just brought the power players together. They looked like the dream team in the 1990s. They just found the best elements and put them together and made this super faction. The Shield came out and they were three guys that had never been on WWE television before. Never. Roman, well, Seth, you know, there'd been on NXT or whatever, but NXT was not NXT. NXT was not the NXT that we know it to be today. There had been no takeovers. There had been no anything like this. So maybe, maybe a hardcore, hardcore had seen Seth, Roman in, in NXT or something like that, but certainly not looking like the Shield and certainly not in any semblance of numbers. They came into the WWE with a clean slate. And they rose to the ranks of the top people in the industry. Dean Ambrose, John Moxley just won the Wrestling Observer Wrestler of the Year this year. And you go, you go, well, I don't know. Uh, you could see 
why Mox would be wrestler of the year. You know, the fact that he he was part of a, a promotion that went through very hard times and he's really the one that put the promotion on his back and brought them forward. I mean, I think John Moxley is AEW's answer to Hulk Hogan. I think there is there are very few people in this industry that relate to fans and that have a connection with an audience the way John Moxley does. I, I, I think John Moxley is probably AEW's most valuable asset. And AEW's got a lot of valuable assets. But if you're arguing, well, who would be wrestler of the year if not John Moxley? Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins' names both come up. You've got all three members of the Shield in the conversation. The only other person's name that might come up is Sami Zayn. So they break up the Shield, right? And and Seth is kind of uh, uh, catapulted into a, a higher space as they make him the heel, you know? They make him the heel as, as Roman and Ambrose go out and they and they become baby faces. And and corporate Seth has uh a lot of great stuff going on, right? Corporate Seth is the one that 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 has his match with Sting, which ended unfortunately, but still Seth Rollins versus Sting. It is the first ever universal title match. It's Rollins versus uh 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 Finn Balor, you know, at at, at SummerSlam. But really you're talking about the the WWE championship run that Seth Rollins had. That's the first time that he became the man, right? The WWE champion. And it's a big, it's a very different thing. Seth Rollins was the kind of heel corporate champion. Seth Rollins was the champion that a challenger chases. Seth Rollins was not the, the, the man. Although interestingly enough, Seth Rollins to win the WWE Championship. He's a two-time champion. He beat Roman twice. Pinned Roman Reigns twice to win that WWE Championship. The first time, cashing in the money in the bank, bank briefcase, of course, arguably the most famous cash-in of all time at WrestleMania push play. That's 31. Interfering in the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match, the first one. They actually would go on to have 240 matches between each other. Uh, after that, uh, but pinning Roman Reigns in that altercation, he laid out Brock, but he ended up pinning Roman Reigns, getting the WWE title. He loses it, of course. He ends up uh, going away. He wins it back. He pins Roman Reigns at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view to win it back, but he's only champion for 10 minutes after Dean Ambrose takes it from him. That's a lot of history that you don't really need because for me... I think what what set everything for Seth back in motion, and it was kind of like a butterfly effect, was that he was he was miscast when he returned from injury. Seth Rollins, when he went down with his injury, I think had the opportunity to have a Madison Square Garden. 2000 level Triple H. There's a 2001 level Triple H return where Triple H went away as uh, a, a member of the, uh, 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 the in the tag team with Stone Cold Steve Austin, the two man power trip. And when he came back, he was the most over babyface. And the only thing that had changed was that the WWE allowed people to go on his journey. First of all, he had been such a great villain that people missed him while he was gone. 
people missed him. That's element number one. And then element number two, they put together these amazing packages and it made Triple H just the most over likable baby face that they had ever seen. And, and leading to the Royal Rumble, just him coming back at Madison Square Garden that January 2001 to announce that he was going, that he was going to be in the Rumble was the biggest ovation I'd ever heard sitting in Madison Square Garden. Seth, when he went down, it was similar circumstances. He had been such a good villain that you thought, oh man, I'm really going to miss booing this guy on television. That's the key. I'm really going to miss having this guy on TV. And then while he's down, they put together packages. They put together vignettes and we get to see Seth Rollins rebuilding a man who was struck down, good guy or bad guy. The real life is a man who was struck down when he was at his all-time hottest in wrestling and had to put the brakes on everything. All of his dreams were coming true. He had to put the brakes on everything. And we watched him take that journey. And I know, I remember going on this podcast those years ago and saying, when you watch the, these montages, when you watch these videos of Seth Rollins' recovery, you can't help but Seth Rollins be your favorite wrestler. Like, there was no way around it. It was just so great. But at the time, see, Roman was still the man. And Ambrose was being built as a babyface as well. So when they brought Seth back from injury, it he came back as a heel. And all people wanted to do was cheer him. You could listen to the ovation when he actually pinned Roman Reigns for the WWE Championship before losing it immediately after. People cheered him. They loved it. But that's when they wanted Seth to be the man. That's when they wanted him to be that babyface. And it didn't happen. So eventually, eventually it, it did happen, right? Eventually, the, uh, 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 the, the, the Triple H, you know, the, the authority turns on him, goes with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins rebuilds and he gets the Intercontinental title here and he gets this, he gets that. He ends up winning the Royal Rumble. And this is a guy, so, so for the WWE Championship, he won that title twice, both times, pinning Roman Reigns. The thing about Seth Rollins is he's also a two-time Universal Champion. And he won that title twice, pinning Brock Lesnar both times. He beat Brock Lesnar twice. And that was when the WWE said, okay, now it's time. Now it's time for Seth Rollins to be our babyface. Now it's time to go all the way with Seth Rollins. Well, a couple of things happened there. Number one, people could smell it. People were behind Seth. You listen to the ovation. It didn't, it didn't flop by any stretch of the imagination. But it just didn't get as hot as it was when Seth was injured because that's when everybody wanted it. And this is now way later, way later. And they're like, okay, now he's going to be the baby face that beats Brock Lesnar. And it's like, man, this is what we wanted, but we wanted it on our terms and you gave it to us on your terms. The problem too 
was that as this was happening, it's twofold. Number one, Roman went away with leukemia. So it was like you could, we could feel as fans, I think, that the WWE was just lighting a fire under Seth Rollins immediately so that they had somebody while Roman was gone, which was not what we wanted for Seth. And at the time, you know, everybody, of course, realized how much they loved Roman when he was gone, as happens. But we didn't want somebody else on that same Roman path where we can smell what's going on. We can tell what you're doing. So that, it was the mistiming. Here are the three steps. is the mistiming of it because we wanted it before. It was the fact that Roman was gone. So it's like, no, you're not choosing Seth over Roman. You're, you're having Seth fill in. And number three, Seth was regularly paired up with his real-life significant other, Becky Lynch. Now, this is when Becky Lynch is organically becoming the man. This is when Becky Lynch is organically becoming the most popular hero, the most popular babyface in the industry. So that by comparison, it becomes very difficult for Seth Rollins to play that same game. It, you can't. Nobody could. And so for me, the Seth Rollins top guy, babyface, universal champion thing, WrestleMania 35 era, well, we had some great moments and it was great to see that stuff happen for Seth. It wasn't what we were looking for. It wasn't Seth Rollins is the top guy. He just never quite, it never quite clicked in, in my opinion. Now we go forward and, you know, this leads us through the pandemic when the, and, and the Monday Night Messiah and, and doing a lot to keep things going through that pandemic. But really, I think when we saw Seth truly become this otherworldly thing was 2022. And that's when you go and and first you see Seth have this storyline going into WrestleMania. And for most people, this is not a flattering storyline. For most people, this is not a storyline that puts them in the best light. It's Seth Rollins saying, I don't have a path to WrestleMania. I don't have a WrestleMania match. There's no organic way for me to fit into WrestleMania. That's not a thing a top guy says. But Seth Rollins is so undeniably good that nobody took it as, this is a skill thing. Ah, oh, I guess Seth isn't quite the main event guy. Nobody felt that way because Seth is too good. He's too undeniable. And he goes through this story. He meets with Vince and Vince has an idea. And that's when the Cody Rhodes match happens. And, and, and Seth has this fantastic WrestleMania match with Cody. And, and gives Cody the match that Cody needs as his return. He gives Cody the match that lets the world know how different this Cody is than the one who entered WWE. Cody beats Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. He does it again at Backlash. He does it again in the Hell in a Cell with a torn peck. For just about any other person you could think of, three losses on pay-per-view consecutively, to Cody Rhodes, the same guy, is career suicide. It's a burial of the sench 
but not for Seth. Not only did he not lose a step, he came out looking even better. Why? Because the matches were so good that nobody was caught up on the winner and the loser. The matches, the stories, the everything. It was such good professional wrestling that the wins and losses didn't matter and Seth Rollins came out an even bigger star. Seth Rollins, of course, is the heel, the dastardly heel throughout this whole thing. And that's when the visionary character starts and he's and he's wearing all kinds of insane and ridiculous, obnoxious fashions. And he never stops wearing obnoxious fashions. They only get more obnoxious. And he never stops talking about himself in a very uh, high manner. His self-esteem never even remotely dwindles. He's still Seth. He's still the visionary. He doesn't change a thing. But somehow, in just the subtle ways that he deals with Bobby Lashley, he lets the audience know, I know that you love me as a performer. It's now okay to cheer. And I'm going to take out Bobby Lashley and you can boo him. And the audience goes, okay, Seth, we got you. And Seth turns babyface out of nowhere. Nobody can pinpoint exactly when, how, where, why, but it's as effective as any babyface turn could be. Everybody's just cheering him now. He's now one of the top good guys. And when he comes out and he goes, I'm the best, everybody goes, yeah, you are, bud. And boom, here we are. Now he's going to live events and and he's not sitting there going, ah, why isn't Roman here? Why isn't this guy here? Why isn't that? Nope. Seth is instead going, I will take on the role of the top guy. I will take on the role of the top draw. And when he's standing in that ring victoriously at the end of the night, thanking the audience for being there, messing around with some kid in the front row, putting him on microphone, getting him involved in a match or something like that, it's like, yeah, dude, this is top guy stuff. This is what a top guy does. This is your top baby face. Coming off of WrestleMania in 2023, going into 2024, to me, there is no move to make other than Seth Rollins is the face of WWE. I think Cody Rhodes goes to WrestleMania and beats Roman Reigns. Walks out of WrestleMania as the champion. I think Seth Rollins goes to WrestleMania and, I mean, he could... Here's the beauty of Seth Rollins. He could lose to Logan Paul and he wouldn't lose a thing. I hope he doesn't. But I think because Logan Paul lost to Roman Reigns and they want to keep Logan Paul strong... There's a good chance that Logan Paul is going to beat Seth Rollins. But Seth Rollins could go on in, in, in maybe, maybe at WrestleMania, he starts the rebuilding process again. And he has a big match at WrestleMania Backlash. Maybe he wins the King of the Ring. Maybe he wins the Money in the Bank briefcase in July in the UK. And then maybe he comes back to America and he lets Cody Rhodes know 
that he will be cashing the Money in the Bank briefcase in in the main event of SummerSlam. And maybe Cody spends some time. He's still a babyface, I'm sure, at WrestleMania Backlash. Maybe around King of the Rings, stuff starts to shift. Maybe buy Money in the Bank. He's kind of a tweener. And when Seth Rollins declares that he's going to SummerSlam and cashing in his briefcase, maybe that's when Cody says, who do you think you are? Maybe that's when Cody says, you just can't take that this is my time. You just can't take that you had the opportunity that I never got and it didn't work. And now I'm here to be the man as I have been. Seth, I've beaten you three times. If you didn't have a contract in that briefcase, there is no way that I would allow the WWE to put you in the main event of SummerSlam with a champion like me. And just that easy, Cody Rhodes is a heel. And now we're going to SummerSlam with Seth Rollins as a babyface. Cody Rhodes is a heel. And can Seth Rollins finally beat Cody Rhodes? The same way we always ask, you know, Roman Reigns has never beaten Seth Rollins. Can he actually do it? Well, now the shoe's on the other foot, my friend. Now Seth Rollins has to go to SummerSlam and go, can he beat Cody Rhodes? And for me, if everything in my head is exactly as it is in life, Seth Rollins becomes the man at SummerSlam. And that's when we figure out what time it is. That's when we figure out if it's really time for Seth Rollins to take his spot as your top guy in WWE. I'm excited just thinking about it. I love it. Let me know what you think. My email is uh, notsamwrestling uh, at uh, gmail.com. That's notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, I will uh, uh, get to your emails, by the way. We got a ton of them after last week's podcast, in just a couple of minutes. But before we get there, uh, I do want to talk more about WrestleMania. Uh, I do also want to say that I don't know any of the results. Uh, I know our friend uh, Billy Starks was there, the Ring of Honor tapings, that uh, the AEW folks, I don't know what their parent company is going to be called, did a set of Ring of Honor tapings, I think at the old Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida, over the weekend, and I haven't seen any of the action, but the set looked awesome. The set, I was buzzing about the set. The set kind of reminded me, because it's a small room, but it just looked cool. Like, it almost reminded me of, like, NXT Black and Gold in Full Sail, where you knew the room was small, but there was still... There was cool stuff going on in that room, and you could tell there was cool stuff. There was a brand identity that was being built in that room. And just looking at the aesthetic for Ring of Honor, uh, I felt good about it. I felt like, yeah, I'm, I'm I, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'll get the uh, Honor Club sub so I can check out what these shows look like. Because if they look as good as the set looked, I think it's a pretty cool thing. I think it has the potential to be a really cool thing. I think that I think this week. The first episode comes out. They did like whatever, three or four weeks of TV. I have no idea how many weeks uh, over the weekend. I think they taped a bunch of Ring of Honor TV and a bunch of AEW Dark. 
and you know they flip the or dark elevator or whatever they do and they flip the set you know one day do ring of honor one day do AEW. so uh i'm interested to see how the ring of honor stuff uh turns out i think uh Claudio and AR Fox are competing, if I'm not mistaken, for the AEW championship. So I'll check that out. Looks pretty good. And speaking of AEW superstars, uh, lots of rumors running rampant. Uh, Kenny Omega maybe going to WWE. I'd love to see it just because it's like it's the one environment we haven't seen Kenny Omega in. Look, you know, I think uh, Kenny Omega has wrestled this incredibly physical style for quite a while. Uh, and and I would have to imagine that he he's not interested in working a full schedule. But I think Kenny Omega coming to WWE would be similar to when AJ Styles came over, but bigger because of the AEW of it all, right? It's Kenny Omega is the other guy who has managed to develop a worldwide reputation as one of the best to ever do it without ever stepping foot in a WWE ring. And I think... Kenny Omega working, uh, I say limited, I don't mean Brock, but I mean like not every single show. But Kenny Omega in the WWE for a two-year run, I think it's just something that as wrestling fans, we have to see what it would look like. I want to know what it would look like. If Kenny Omega can go to the WWE and become a champion, and basically if he can do what AJ Styles did, then you've got to argue uh, over Kenny Omega being the greatest to ever do it. That means you got somebody who put a brand new company on his back and, and took him to the moon. Somebody who has become a legend for what he did in Japan. Someone who took the independence and, and to, to a different level now and all the Bullet Club stuff, don't get me started. And now can make uh, just as big an impact, if not more, in the WWE. I think that's something as wrestling fans that we have to see. I think it's something that we're owed. Not that Kenny Omega owes it to us. That would be very high and mighty of me. But still, it's just, you know, something that, like, what would that be like? Well, this is the one period of time where we might actually be able to see it. So, by God, let's see it. I was also thinking... Speaking of things we could see, we're talking about Seth and WrestleMania and everything. Um, you know, when you talk about uh, factions that have, have have become dominant, the Judgment Day is an amazing story because the Judgment Day started out as a thing that people weren't quite sure of. When Edge came out, he was trying something different. He had the new haircut. He had a different sort of message to it. And I don't know, it didn't seem to me like everybody was buying in. You know, I don't think people were all that sure that they were buying what the Judgment Day was selling. And then the Judgment Day turns on Edge and takes him out and it becomes, you know, it's Rhea Ripley, it's it's Finn Balor, it's, it's uh, Damian Priest. And like, people are like, I like all these wrestlers, but I still don't even understand at all what this is. And there was a period of time, I think, where it looked like the Judgment Day was just gonna get scrapped. And then all of a sudden, between Finn Balor and Damian Priest just having banger matches and Finn Balor being the Finn Balor that I think he's wanted to be for a long time. And then Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio just taking things to a completely different level and, and there being success 
between Rhea and Dominic that I, nobody could have predicted. I think it brought Rhea up to a different level. I know it brought Dominic up to a different level. And now you've got one of the highlights of WWE TV in the Judgment Day. And that's something that if I had told you a year ago, you probably wouldn't have believed me. Were they around a year ago? I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. So, as we look to WrestleMania, you realize, and I've realized, that the Judgment Day may have one of the all-time WrestleManias as far as a faction goes, right? Because we know for sure that we've got Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte. And we don't know who's going to win the match, obviously. Won't know until the day of. The night of. The match itself. But we've got Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte. So Rhea Ripley, and that is, I would imagine, because what else do you have? Oscar versus Bianca Belair. Probably something with Becky and Lita. Maybe Trish involved versus Damage Control. Maybe, uh, maybe, but maybe there's something with the women's tag titles. Maybe Ronda and Shayna get involved. Who knows? Who knows? I think, though, you would have to imagine that Charlotte versus Rhea is going to be the highest profile, top tier women's match on the show. I, it hasn't been announced. I would think you're going to get Finn Balor versus Edge at WrestleMania, right? Based on the fact that the story's not over. Based on the fact that the Monday after Elimination Chamber, Edge came out and had his match with Austin Theory and Finn Balor jumped him, I would imagine that that story's not over. They're not going to run back the mixed tag. So I think Finn Balor versus Edge is probably a match that you're going to have at WrestleMania. I would also imagine, especially since it was heightened this week on SmackDown, that we're finally going to get Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. I mean, I don't know what, where else. If that, if Dominic versus Ray doesn't happen at WrestleMania, then I'm very confused as to why all this build has been happening. Why have there been so many holiday visits? Very confused if, they, if it doesn't. So when you're looking at this, Balor and Edge, I would have to imagine that Edge is probably going to leave for a bit again after this. If it were, if this were a fresh match and we could have a rematch at WrestleMania Backlash, even if we have a rematch at WrestleMania Backlash, I would think that based on the fact that Edge and Beth beat Balor and Rhea at Elimination Chamber, I think you're looking at a Balor victory over Edge at WrestleMania. It'll make Balor whole. I think that's what Edge is here to do. And it will either make it so... The, 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 the Finn Balor comes out on top of that story or we can have a rubber match. You know, Balor has one, Edge has one. We can go to WrestleMania Backlash and do it one more time and that will be the finality of it all. But I, I just don't see, it's Edge. So Edge could win every match and that would be okay. But if we're gonna run this back, it seems like the reason to do that would be to have Finn Balor win. If you're gonna do Dominic versus Ray. I've been saying from the beginning. It should be a retirement match. And Ray's gotta lose. I, I don't you if you're gonna do Dominic versus Ray Mysterio, I, the only thing to do there is to have Dominic win. I can't imagine that Ray would be comfortable 
not having Dominic win. The whole reason this second run is exist. Well, maybe not the whole reason, but one of the big parts about Ray coming back to the WWE and, and working as much as he has is because he wants to get Dom situated. He wants to make sure that Dom is good to go. And he's been pretty successful with this Dominic heel run. So I, I've got to imagine that Dominic beats Rey Mysterio there. And then if you got Dominic beating Rey Mysterio and you got Balor defeating Edge, when you think about the, the judgment, hey, who's the breakout star of that group? Who is the one whose career has been completely changed because of it? Who is the top draw in the judgment day? Rhea Ripley. I don't see a WrestleMania where Finn Balor and Dominic win their matches and Rhea Ripley doesn't. So based on that, I think that WrestleMania is going to be the crowning of Rhea Ripley. I think that at WrestleMania, Rhea Ripley defeats Charlotte. And so when you go down what the possible card is, if Finn Balor beats Edge, if Dominic defeats Rey Mysterio, and if Rhea Ripley defeats Charlotte, then I cannot wait for the Judgment Day to hit the ring Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania and to let the world know that they're looking at the most dominant faction that WWE has to offer. There is so much on the table there. You know what else is on the table? Some of these emails, if you want to contribute to the show, you can email notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Don't forget, if you really want to contribute, join us out in Los Angeles, Wednesday, March 29th. That's the Wednesday before WrestleMania. We will be at the world-famous Comedy Store in Los Angeles, California. Uh, I just dropped uh, pictures of the merch, uh, the exclusive merch on my uh, social media accounts over the weekend. Uh, you got to get the Not Samomania t-shirt. It's event exclusive. The only way to get it is to order the t-shirt when you order tickets. Go to NotSamLive.com. Get yourself a ticket. Get yourself a t-shirt add-on. Clickety-clack. And join us for what will be a podcast extravaganza unlike any other, uh, putting in some really great calls and conversations for some guests that hopefully we'll be able to uh, put in concrete and announce very, very soon. But before we announce them, get those tickets, notsamlive.com, notsamamania, comes to the Comedy Store Wednesday, March 29th at 8 p.m. Now, let's go to the emails, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Anthony writes, Hi, Sam. A bit confused on your take on the Roman-Sammy match being definitive. When the first ref bump happened, Sammy had Roman pinned for a 10 count after the Haluva kick. How does that make fans think the outcome of the match is definitive? My opinion is it just makes me want to see a Sammy-Roman rematch because it was not a decisive victory. Thoughts? I'll tell you my thoughts. It was definitely a decisive victory. Um, you could tell in the way the air was sucked out of that building that people were like, oh, this is just it. I also, as a general rule, I don't like it when the referee gets knocked out. Somebody's shoulders stay down on the mat for a three count, a six count, a 10 count. The fans cheer along and they go, oh, if the referee had only been up, he would have he, he been pinned. Same thing when the referee's down. 
and the tap out happens. If the if the sharpshooter's on and the referee goes down and the opponent's tapping out and the and the commentators go, oh, if the referee were just up, this match would be over. This makes no sense because to me, if you're thinking about it logically, if I know the referee is down, if I saw the referee get knocked out and now I'm being covered and nobody's counting, why am I going to kick out? If the fans are yelling one, two, three, four, five, I'm not kicking out. I'm not using any energy to kick out. Who cares? I'm laying there. I'm catching my breath. Why would you kick out if the referee's not counting? You could count to 258. If the referee's not the one counting, why would a person kick out? The same way, if I'm in a submission hold and there's no referee checking me, I'm tapping out immediately because I want the submission hold off because this idiot is going to take the hold off of me once he hears the tap out because he's going to think that he's won. He's a moron. I want, the, I want the hold off of me, so I start to tap. I know the referee's not there. I don't think that that Sammy pinning Roman for a 10 count after the... Roman was not down for 10 after the Huluva kick. Roman's never been down for a 10 count. If the referee were up and the referee were the one counting, Roman would have kicked out at two. We all know it. So no, that's why I think there. Um, Richard says, everyone keeps clamoring for Kevin Owens and Sammy versus the Usos. Uh, but I think we talked about this before. Um, let's see. I'm going to keep going through some of these emails. Uh, okay, this is to answer the question about Brock, which I think we've probably answered. Um, Joel writes, newer listener, but loving the work. The one theory I've been joking around about Brock for Mania would be somehow we get Bobby and Brock versus Bray and Uncle Howdy. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, another option is a three-way Brock, Bobby, and Bray. Maybe add some gimmick element to it. I don't, I, I, I don't, I mean, we know that that's not happening, but I think if that were to happen, then Bray would not have said definitively, I want the winner of that match. Third possibility is there's no Brock at Mania this year. He's a part-timer with a certain amount of creative sway, it seems. Months ago, even before last year's Crown Jewel, Brock wasn't originally scheduled for anything until the day one premium live event but we saw that got canceled there was also uh, has been word and rumor that brock's post-match chaos at the chamber wasn't all planned again so maybe this is a setup for a suspension i don't think that there would ever be a if they can get brock for mania then they're getting brock for mania see yeah, another one charlie says uh um maybe brock does a program with damian priest for wrestlemania but that doesn't fit into my judgment day plan because then there's no way Damian Priest is beating Brock. So they'd have to kick Damian Priest out of Judgment Day. Uh, Prince says, Roman versus Cody, the whole world is enthusiastic about this match. You think Cody's going to win, but by hook and crook and still the undisputed Universal Champion Roman Reigns, I'm enjoying your podcast on Spotify. Like I said, 50-50 on that. I could see Roman winning. Um Latoya says, love the show. Looking forward to hearing from you every week. My question is, do you feel as if Solo should fight Gunther for the Intercontinental title? I feel like he is ready for gold, especially if we can have Bloodline versus Imperium. Well, I don't know because I don't know what the Bloodline is going to look like after WrestleMania. I think it's going to be very different. Um, and the only reason I don't want Solo versus Gunther is because I don't want Solo or Gunther to lose. 
But I don't know where I would put Solo at WrestleMania if not with Gunther. Look, I'd be excited about Solo versus Gunther because where's this going to go? But also, I think that the Bloodline story has gotten so complicated, right, that I think that with Cody, with Kevin Owens, with Sami Zayn, with Jimmy and Jey Uso, I don't think we can tell another story involving the Bloodline. I don't think that there's room for Solo to have a match with anybody that I didn't just list. Right? Like, I, I don't think that there's room for a story between Solo and Gunther because where does that fit in with Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes and how can his attention be on the bloodline if it's over here wrestling some guy that the bloodline is not worried about because they're worried about all these other guys? Unless you're going to put Gunther into something where he's also fighting the bloodline, but Imperium are 1,000% are heels, so I don't think that would work right now either. But hopefully in the future, LaToya. It's not a bad idea. It's a fun match for sure. James is saying that uh, Brock Lesnar's WrestleMania opponent should be a returning Randy Orton. I mean, I would love Randy Orton to return, but like, you know, that's not really up to us. You know who they should get? They should get Randy Orton. Yeah, of course, of course. But like, we can't control if if Rand, what Randy Orton's uh, health is. Uh, Julian says... What do you think about this scenario? What if Cody defeats Roman Reigns and then the Raw after WrestleMania, Cody comes out to the ring and gets rid of the double titles? I'm hoping he pulls a Keith Lee and relinquishes the universal title to SmackDown like Lee did in NXT with the North American title for the spirit of opportunity once the universal title is out of the picture and back on SmackDown. Another uh, uh, email of what should happen on SmackDown going forward uh, soon, LOL. Cody unveils uh, a reincarnation of the winged eagle. Um, I like that, how you split the titles that way, uh, Julian. I think that that's a real great idea for the spirit of opportunity. I think it fits right in with what Cody is all about. I think that that feels like something Cody would do. I'm not sold on bringing back the winged eagle. Now, look, you can look at my studio. There's a winged eagle hanging. The winged eagle is my favorite WWE championship of all time. It's my favorite wrestling belt. It's everything. But WWE has done a really good job of getting the WWE championship out there to every sports team that has won a major thing. And they've and and having the side plates on, you know, for if you win a Super Bowl, if you win NASCAR, if you win the NBA championship, if you win the World Series, it's right there. And it's iconic, and the logo is giant. The winged eagle, while we all associate it with WWE, it's really just a wrestling belt, right? Like there's a WWF, WWE logo on it, depending on what version you have, but it's small. I kind of like that the new version of the championship is just a giant WWE logo because then when Patrick Mahomes is holding the title after the uh, 49ers win the Super Bowl, there's a giant WWE logo on his shoulder. And I think that may be more valuable than uh, bringing the winged eagle title back as much as maybe that's more of a business decision than a fun fan decision. That's that's where I land on it. Um, Matt, Sam, love the weekly podcast. Thank you for sharing your passion with us wrestling fans. I would like to ask you to speculate, why would WWE break up Toxic Attraction instead of giving them a nice run on the main roster? The main roster sure could use another true women's tag team. I, for one, think Toxic Attraction as a whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Of course, I could be wrong. I thought T.L. Hopper was hilarious back in the day. Uh, Matt, you're not wrong about T.L. Hopper. T.L. Hopper ruled. Anybody that says T.L. Hopper did not rule 
is, I mean, probably stuck up. Probably not anybody that we want to hang out with, quite frankly. Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I think the reason that they broke up Toxic Attraction is because that, I guess because it's a big match, right, for Stand and Deliver. And maybe they see something big in Gigi Dolan. Maybe maybe the idea is that they realize that the women's tag division is not uh, as big as they want it to be, although maybe it'll get bigger on the main roster with uh, Becky and, and Lita and Damage Control being in the high profile that they are, and now you've got Ronda and Shayna as a tag team. Like, there is room. And by the way, those two could get called up to the main roster and just reform Toxic Attraction. But I think that that for NXT... Either, and they might have bigger visions for one or both of those superstars, but ultimately they probably just want a big match for uh, Stand and Deliver and didn't plan on putting the tag titles on them again. So, you know, they probably saw Toxic, toxic Attraction as a, uh, as, as a faction more than just a tag team. So once Mandy was gone, it was time to do it. Uh... Jason writes, uh, just wanted to say I've been listening to your podcast since its inception. Wow. Actually started watching you on YouTube about 10 years ago. That's amazing. Love the show and always respect your opinion. So I want to ask a question. Is it too early to call Gunther uh, one of, if not the greatest intercontinental champion of all time? I'm talking Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, all the greats. I mean, I can't remember anyone who consistently put on great match after great match. Uh, well, I'd love to hear what you think if you got the time to let me know. Uh, yeah, Jason, look, I think, and we talked about this a little bit on the Corey Graves podcast when we had Gunther on, that, yeah, that Gunther has defended that title on television a lot and against a lot of different types of opponents, you know? He had a banger of a match, and I know you said that you don't say banger, but he had a banger of a match with Braun Strowman, which having a 20-minute match with Braun Strowman is amazing. Nobody, nobody really does that. And then he can also do that with Ricochet. He can do it with anybody. He can have this Shakespearean epic with Sheamus. He can go 60 minutes bell to bell in the Royal Rumble. Like Gunther is a special, special talent. Can I say he's the greatest intercontinental champion of all time? No. Can I say he's the greatest intercontinental champion of the modern era? Probably. I can probably say that. And then we can have a discussion on where he fits with the greats of all time. But he does fit with the greats. You can already say that he does fit with the greats. And there's nothing about Gunther that makes me think that I'm going to regret saying that. There's nothing about that that makes me feel like that's going to slow down. Tom's got some fantasy booking for us. I understand WrestleMania is set as far as the main event goes, but how would you feel if this happened instead? Uh-oh, this is a bad way to start. Everything leading up to the chamber still happens. Sammy, I can't be going back in time, dude. Uh, he's talking about The Rock. Tom, I appreciate the email, but you're sending me emails about The Rock coming out. You're redoing Elimination Chamber. There's fantasy booking, and then there's fan fiction. I can do fantasy booking. We can't do fan fiction. Well, that's why we can only look in... What if the past was different? Well, then a lot of things would be different. I don't know what to tell you. Um... Andrew asked me to make a prediction. Will Roman Reigns finally lose at WrestleMania? 50-50, bro. Um, oh, yeah. Joel sent the email about SmackDown. Maybe we'll get to it next week. I'm not going to give him two. Uh, Seth, found your show the past year in 2022. I love that there's like such a wide variety of people that have either been listening from the very beginning or like just started in the last couple weeks. Like it's 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 so awesome. 
along with watching your contributions to WWE Network Original, The Ultimate Show. If you like The Ultimate Show and you like this podcast, dude, if you're listening, Seth, look up Not Sam Wrestling on Peacock. They let me do an entire season. It's buried in there at this point. But they over the pandemic, they let me do a television version of this podcast for the WWE Network at the time. Now it's on Peacock. There's 13 episodes. They're incredible. It's some of the most, I, I produ completely produced the show by myself with Hot Dog. That's it. No WWE producing it. Just us. And uh, it's unbelievable to me that the show exists. So check that out when you get a chance. I got three questions. Uh, of course, you can choose to answer any num number of them. I appreciate that. One, with Raquel Rodriguez continuously being showcased is on the cusp with near signature wins and not coming away with the victory at, judge at Elimination Chamber, does this make her the favorite and almost telegraph her to win Miss Money in the Bank in July? I wanted her to win Elimination Chamber. I'm going to tell you I want her to win the Money in the Bank ladder match. I'm going to tell you I want her to do something at WrestleMania. Yet you're not going to catch me saying I don't want Raquel Rodriguez to win big matches. I think that there's so much potential there, and it's just a matter of when it gets decided to pull the trigger. Two, granted it's over four months away, but with good health and all for all talents, who are your early favorites and dark horse picks for the men's and women? Seth, maybe, and Raquel. Weird that we talked about that. I didn't read this email before. And three, would a would a wild monopoly scenario? Well, you love this Money in the Bank briefcases, both briefcases, and the fans of heel faction Legato. If Santos and Zelina uh, won, be more of a letdown or a welcome shock. I love Legato. I'd be excited if that happens. I love Zelina Vega. Uh, Thea, I, I've been a fan of for years and years and years, both as a person and as a worker. And, uh, I mean, Santos Escobar is to me, a first round draft pick. I, I, and I've been talking about him since he was in NXT. I'm a giant Santos Escobar fan. So you're not going to get me to poo poo that idea at all. No, if, if I, I'd be interested to see where they were going because that's a lot of real estate to put behind Legato, but. I'm not going to get mad if Legato come, becomes the next uh, bloodline. It'd be tough, but I'm not going to get mad. I hope you guys aren't mad. I hope you guys had a fun time. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I appreciate you all, and I'll uh, I'll see you next week, if not before, over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling.